So he's really, he's really trying to figure out why God doesn't work that way anymore versus being open to what happens in the spirit. There's, a, there's this openness in the spirit that we, we have to understand and be on this process so that we can become everything God wants us to. And one of the ways that we allow you to do that is we do that in small groups, and we call those thrive groups. And, uh, and that's one way you can discover God. And it's, it's a great way. It's a great tool. And we hope you sign up. It's Sean in the house. I saw him earlier. But, uh, yeah, uh, he's crazy. Don't sign up for three small groups. <laughs> Where's he at? I, he's, in, he's doing the camera. Hey, buddy. <laughs> he ain't got nothing else to do. I can tell you that right now. I don't, I don't know. We need to work him harder or something. I don't know. <laughs> One. It's good. <laughs> yes? And make sure you show up for First Wednesday. It's coming up. We're going to do communion. We're going to be praying. It's going to be amazing. You don't want to miss it. That's this coming Wednesday night. And then Thrive Group start the following week. You got that? Now, Ken Brown's going to come up here for just a second. He's going to talk. As good and as positive as, as Thrive Groups are, and I'm excited for you to be involved. But there's another level. You need to grab that mic right there. There's another level of discipleship that we offer here at Eastside, and it's called Karis Bible College. And as good as Thrive Groups are, they cannot do for you what Karis Bible College can do for you. Because it's going to be an intensive uh, discipleship program that requires some work that you're going to begin you know, you have to pay for. So you obviously are going to do the work because you paid for it. Uh, and so I just want Ken to talk just a minute, give you his heart. For some of you who need and are looking for in that discovery process to get more in-depth and just know the Word of God. Ken? Thank you. Thank you, Pastor. You know, I was thinking about this morning. You know, any time that you are scheduled to come up and speak in front of people, all these thoughts go through your head. What am I going to say? What am I going to say to these people? You know what my preparation is? I let the Holy Spirit do it. You know, what he's wanting me to say to you this morning, I was thinking about when I came here, and I was thinking about during the praise and worship, how this church is so special. You know, from the time you get out of your car and you walk through those two front doors, you're being ministered to. The people are ministering to you. Then you get in here and sit down, and the praise and worship starts, and the praise and worship is ministering to you. It's going, you say, they, did they just pick that out for me this morning? But you know what? None of that is any of us having anything to do with it. It's God. He's the one that's directing everything that everybody does. Psalms 37 says, the steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. And you know what? That's every one of you that have accepted Jesus as your Lord. We're all the righteousness of God. It's not an accident that Karis Bible College is coming to this church. It wasn't his idea. It wasn't my idea. It was God's idea. And, you know, if God's idea, you know, he don't mess up. He's got a plan. But you know what? He doesn't have a plan just for this church or Karis Bible College. He's got a plan for every single person. You know, I know that y'all have known about us, Karis, coming to this church for a while. 
And I know that all of y'all having the Holy Spirit speaking to you, some of you have heard the Holy Spirit speak to you, said, you know, you might need to participate in that. But having been somebody that went through this 19 years ago, when I first heard the word, the next word I heard was, you can't do that. You can't have the time for that. You don't have the money for that. Everything in under the heavens came against me doing what God was telling me to do. But you know what? I knew it was God's plan. And somewhere or another, somewhere or another, I overcame it and I did it. Because I can tell you there's fruit in it. There's nothing in your life that will bring you more fruit than knowing more of the Word of God and how it applies to your life. That's the whole heart of this ministry. It's the whole heart of the staff, the pastor, everybody that's involved, even you members. It's the heart to get the Word into us. We're getting ready to go to another men's advance. I've only been to one, but I'm going to tell you what. I could sit up here and give a whole service about what I discovered in that men's advance. It was so awesome. And I've made the comment to so many people. I said, I have never seen a group of men that were so in tune to the Holy Spirit and able to express the Holy Spirit as what I saw at that event. And so what that told me, they were, they were 85 guys there. They came from here. But guys, what Karis does, forget the name about Bible college. Just forget that. What, it, what is coming here is another tool to, in, to take you deeper into the knowledge of the Word of God. That's what it is. It's not, it's not laborious. We've got... We've got all kind of ways that people can come. You can come during the day on Tuesday and Thursday. You can do the hybrid program, which all your studies are online, and you come to this church once every two weeks. You really only need to do two 50-minute lessons a day, five days a week, to be able to keep up in this school. It's not hard. But I can tell you this. The rewards, it is life-changing. I've got people here that graduated from Karis Bible College right now, and I could have any one of them come up and tell you their testimony about going through this school. And I can tell you right now, they would all be different, but they all would talk about how it changed their life. The Word changes all of us. It changes all of us. It changed me. It changes you. There's an opportunity. And uh, I just thank you for you being obedient when the Lord spoke to you and you asked us to come here. I just thank you for that obedience because I am telling you what, I know this is God. I know this that God has a plan for this place that it, none of us, it's far more than any of us can imagine. I don't, you can imagine the wildest thing for the plans for this place right here and it will not match what God has in plans for this church. And I just believe that we're going to be a small part of it. But I believe he's speaking to some of you that he wants you to participate in this. we got a winter term that starts in December. Fall term starts Tuesday. But winter term starts in December, so you've got plenty of time to pray about it. 
and believe, but I believe you will do exactly what God's telling you to do. Thank you, Pastor. Amen. Amen. You can put that back over there. So if you, no, we got, ain't got time. I'm sorry. Uh, if you, let me just say this. If you got Karis, if you are associated with Karis, can you stand? If you, that's just one service already. Cool. I'm sorry, but I got to preach because <laughs> you need to hear this. This is the word from the Lord. <laughs> it's kind of funny. How many have heard that he wants to bring something dead to life? You heard that this morning? Have you heard anything about dry bones this morning? Ezekiel chapter 37, verse 1. <laughs> it is the story from Ezekiel about the valley of dry bones. The hand of the Lord was upon me, Ezekiel said, and he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. Now, as we get into this study, what I want you to grab out of it and what I hope you uh, get by the end of it is that we need to live like there's nothing impossible with God. It needs to be something. Um, we need to live uh, like we have this expectation that God is going to bring life to something that we see currently as dead. And in this situation, what you're about to see is that the Spirit came upon him. The Spirit came upon him, and, and he revealed things. Now, it says that the Lord was with him. The Lord there is Jehovah, which means the self-existing one, the one who doesn't need anybody else, the, the one who is different than anything else was with him. The one that is self-sufficient, self-existing, that we were created in his image. We aren't him, though. We, we have characteristics of God. But he is holy. There is none like him. And so in this time, the Spirit of God comes upon Ezekiel. Now, the, the thing I want you to discover, and what I see all the time, is people trying to explain this aspect of God away. And what I want you to know is that he established his word, and we believe that it is true and is without error. And, and, and it is Jesus. Jesus is the word and became flesh. It is, it is God. It has God on it. It is it is everything about God, and there's the Spirit. And the Spirit's job is to reveal the truth about this. It is to bring you into the understanding of the nature of God and to instruct you. And what you're going to see about this passage of Scripture is in that day, it didn't look good for them. When Ezekiel says this about the Spirit of the Lord coming upon him, he was in a place where he, 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 was, uh, he lacked hope. He didn't see a way out. Uh, the, the nation of Israel was in captivity, and they'd been in captivity for about 50 years. When it, when, so for 50 years, Ezekiel sees defeat. How many of you have been seeing things that you believe God wanted to make alive, but it has been dead for quite some time? 
Some of you haven't seen 50 years, so you don't know what 50 years is like. Maybe you've seen half of 50 years, you know. <laughs> 50 years is a long time. It's a long time. But the Spirit of the Lord came to him to give him hope. Michael, we sang the song, <laughs> and Stephen, you just tagged right with it. We're going to build our house here. We're going to have expectation here. We're going to believe God to bring something alive that was dead. We're going to bring rightness to something that was out of sorts. And so you see this in Ezekiel, but you see it everywhere. He says, the hand of the self-existing one was upon me. And he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord, and he set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. Now, in this valley, the spirit takes him. So it's a dream, or it's a, what is it? it, is, it is it in a, in a different dimension? I don't have any idea. I'm not really sure. Matter of fact, when Paul writes about it in the New Testament, he, he, he gives a, an account of what's going on with him. And he goes, I don't know if I was in the spirit or if I was dreaming. I, I'm not really sure what it was, but this is what happened. What I'm trying to get across to you is that I know that you're on this discovery process or you wouldn't be here. Your, your, your heart's desire is to discover the nature and the character of God. You want to know God. Well, you've got to know his word, but you've also got to be in touch with he is in the invisible realm. There, there is something magnificent about God that he wants to reveal to you, and you can't get to it with, with the word and not the spirit. You've got to have the spirit and the word because the spirit's job is to reveal the word, which is, has a prophetic edge. In every aspect, it has a prophetic edge. He wants to give you the ways, Ken, of a righteous man or ordered by the Lord. He wants to give you a way. You say, I've been waiting on that way for about five years. Okay, good. Ezekiel waited 50. Well, I, I, don't, I don't want God to do that. Okay. So what? Seriously, who are you? Who am I? The self-existing one, you're going to question. Why? He says, just wait. If you'll just wait. I'll bring righteousness. Righteousness is coming. And so he leads them out in the spirit of the Lord. Right in the middle of the valley, it's full of dry bones. And I, know, I know this picture, it looks nasty, but it's probably, it's probably like this massive grave. Uh, like you would see in an old war movie where there's thousands and thousands of people who have died and their bones are scattered and the animals have gotten a hold of it and they're just all over the place. There's no rhyme or reason. They're not all put together. They're just dry bones, full of bones. And he led me around among them, and he's walking in the middle of them, and behold, 
there were very many on the surface of the valley, and behold, they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, <laughs> this is a great answer, oh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Lord, you know. Lord, you know. That's where faith is. That's where you stand. You don't have to know. Ezekiel didn't know. He didn't pretend to know. Right? The Lord said, can I take this circumstance that looks dead and bring it to life? Can this thing have righteousness on it? Can I bring righteousness here? And the Lord, and, the, and Ezekiel said, <laughs> I don't know. But you know. That's faith. That is faith. It's not an absence of faith. He didn't have faith in himself. He has faith that God, the all-sufficient one, the, the self-existing one, knows. And then he said to me, prophesy over these bones and say to them, old dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Michael had us hold our hands up and prophesy righteousness over ourselves wherever we might be, that the Lord had righteousness for us. Now, here's the issue. The issue is that the instruction here is to prophesy the word of God, and the word of the Lord came over them. When you speak the word of God into your situation, when you begin to prophesy the word of God into your situation, when you begin to align yourself with the word of God into your situation, it is going to do the work it was sent to do. But you have to respond and actually prophesy the word of God over your situation. And so what you see with Ezekiel is he hears the instruction of God to prophesy the word of God, and then he has to respond. It says, prophesy and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God of those bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you, and, and, you will cause, and he will cause flesh to come upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and you shall live, and you shall know that I am God. So I prophesied as I was commanded. Say that with me. So I, as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a sound, and behold, a rattling, and the bones came together, bone this bone. Now, you've got to understand that this is a vision. This is not happening. This is a dream. This is a vision. God is showing him the future. He's giving him insight. He's letting him see in, in the heavenly realm. It still hasn't occurred yet. Israel's still in captivity. So there's a coming together. And then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. But there was no breath in him, he says. And then, he, then, then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and, and say, the breath, thus says the Lord God. Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesy as he commanded me. 
and the breath came into them, and they lived, and they stood on their feet, and, and it was an exceedingly great army. Now, now we know that, that this particular scripture was directed at a particular time. We know that. But it was not limited to that particular time. In other words, did it apply to Israel, who was in captivity for 50 years, and was God referring to something that looked like they were dead because they were real familiar with the history that they had lived, that they had been in captivity for 500 years already, and they all, you know, they're looking back on the deliverance. Now they find themselves in bondage and captivity again. Very familiar with that. So I, I bet that generation was just kind of keen on just surrendering to What will be, will be, I guess. We don't have any control over this, and so we're just going to surrender to death and captivity. And there's a word of the Lord that says, listen, I'm bringing righteousness to this thing. I'm bringing life to this thing. I'm going to breathe on this thing, and Israel is not going to die. It's going to live. It applies there. Everything looked hopeless. It applies there, but it also applies to the unbeliever. When Jesus says you, you, you're going to be raised from death to life. It's, it's quoted in Scripture. When you, you once were dead in your trespasses and sin, but now you're alive to God. And so for an unbeliever, this passage of Scripture is a prophecy of what happens to an unbeliever. It also is for the backslidden, because that's exactly where Israel was. They had gotten and found themselves in the condition of captivity they were in because of the choices they had made, because of the deflection of God. They had pushed him aside. They had not made him a priority. They had begun to make other things in their life priority. And so as they got down the road, they found themselves in a place that they didn't know how they got there. <laughs> You ever, you ever experienced that? You wake up one morning and you say, how did I get here? Have you done that with your finances before? Or your checkbook from month to month? You say, wait a minute, I, got, I still got bills left. I don't have any. <laughs> I don't have any bank account left. How did I get here? We do it all the time everywhere. So for a backslidden person, God is saying, that he wants to bring you back. He wants to resurrect you. He wants to breathe life back into you. And what you think is dead because of your choices, he wants to resurrect that. This story applies to that. It also applies to the church. As bad as we think the church is and as irresponsible as we see uh, the church becoming when we're, when we're tr watering down the gospel and we've got really a false gospel being preached. It's not the whole word of God. And it looks like we're ineffective and we're dying and churches are, are closing and all the things that are happening around the world in the church. Let me tell you something. There's a day that God is going to breathe life in the church and the church is going to do exactly what he created it to do. It will respond. It will be without spot, wrinkle, and blemish when he comes back. He will breathe life into the church. 
And so this passage of Scripture is also dealing with the church and with believers. Let me give you some examples of, of just hopeless situations that God moved in. And what I want you to understand is that we've got to live like nothing is impossible with God. Sarah was 90 years old when God said to her, you're going to bear a son. And he reminded her in Genesis chapter 18, verse 14, he said to her, is there anything too hard for the Lord? And the answer is obviously no. In Jeremiah, he says, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is anything too hard for me? The angel Gabriel, the angel Gabriel. Say that with me, the angel Gabriel. You think that might be in the invisible realm, anybody think that might be? Said to Mary, after he told her she was pregnant or going to be pregnant, is there, for nothing will be impossible with God. Jesus said to the disciples, with man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. There's no such thing as a hopeless case. There's no such thing as a too hard, too hard of a case. There, there are no problems that are too big for God. There's no situation that we face that comes as a surprise to him. Nothing ever surprises God, and he's going to breathe life into it. It's a picture of Israel. It's a picture of the church. It's a picture of the backslider. It's a picture of Eastside. In Isaiah 45, 17, talking about Israel, which is the church, he says through the prophet, Israel shall be saved by the Lord with an everlasting salvation. You shall not be ashamed or disgraced forever and ever. In Romans 9, 27 through 29, he says this, in Isaiah exclaims about Israel, even if the people of Israel are as many as the grains of the sand of the sea, yet only a few of them will be saved. For the Lord will quickly settle his full account with the world. It is, it is as Isaiah had said before, if the Lord Almighty had not left us some descendants, we would have become like Sodom. We would have been like Gomorrah. He's going to save his people. Romans eleven twenty seven. if you ever want to know the character and the nature of God about Israel, here is a good verse for it. I will make this covenant with them when I take away their sins. Because they reject God, the good news, the Jews are, they reject God, the good news, the Jews are God's enemies for the sake of you Gentiles. But because of God's choice, they are his friends because of their ancestors. For God does not change his mind about whom he chooses and blesses. As for you Gentiles, you disobeyed God in the past, but now you have received God's mercy because the Jews were disobedient. In the same way, because of the mercy that you have received, the Jews now disobey God in order that they also may now receive God's mercy. For God has made all people prisoners of disobedience so that he might show mercy to them all.
What's he saying? Even in the New Testament, he's saying, what I started with Israel, what I started with people, what I started in Ezekiel, even the captivity, even the 50 years, the nation of Israel is going to play out exactly as I determined. I'm going to do exactly with it and with you and with the church of what I intended before the foundation of the world. So why do I? Why do I even bring all that up? Because you are important to God. He has a plan for your life. He says, before the foundation of the world, he planned out your ministry. And that's what you are. You're a minister of the gospel. That's who you are. He's got you planned out. No matter where you find yourself, whether you're in captivity, where you see where you see things that aren't happening right, you know, I'm, I'm looking. I'm looking at some of these folks over here. We're two singles. We got a single, a small group. That's uh, whoop whoop. I don't know many singles that get around thirty that don't think. Come on, God. Where are they at? Time's a clicking. He's going, yeah, I got it. You trust him? Are you praying? Do you believe him? Are you expecting? Are you doing what he says to do? Are you prophesying over yourself? The word of God. There's all kinds of things that we're asking God to do. What about work? What about my marriage? What about? My children, what, you know, what about my Aunt Sue? What, all those kinds of things. How do I deal with it? Well, I'll tell you how you don't deal with it. God says that even if you operate in the spiritual gifts without love, that, it, that it'll, it'll destroy instead of build up. That, that you have to be able to operate as a Christian in the Spirit. In the Spirit, you have all of the fruit of the Spirit. In the Spirit, all the gifts are available to you. You can prophesy. You can, you, you, you can speak in tongues. You can interpret visions. You can have words of knowledge. You can operate in the supernatural. God says about you and me that in him that he's like the wind. He moves, but we can't see it. And so there's this supernatural element that we see. We know that we see it, but sometimes we see the movement of it, but we can't actually see how it occurs. So if we don't think all we have to do is the word and then we just read it and then we just do it, which there's some of that, there, there's this relationship with the Spirit that you can't miss. It's incredibly important that you be in touch with the relationship to the Spirit because the Spirit's going to give you what to say, when to say, how to say it. It's going to give you information that you wouldn't be privy to, and you've got to be sensitive to that. And so there's this discovery process that needs to be happening with you in the Word and in the Spirit. I just went to the Keys this summer on vacation. And I went snorkeling, and it was amazing. 
And I was in pretty good shape. It was a lot easier to do 30 pounds lighter. I just want you to know from the time span. But as I'm covering this reef, there are all kinds of beautiful wildlife that you see. And I'm over the top of that reef, and, and I've got my mask on, and you, you know, you're, you're just cruising along the top, and you just your eyes are wide open to what you might see. Do you have any idea what you're going to see? No. Do you have an expectation that you're about to see something great? Yes. This, this is cool. And you go, wow, 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 check that out. Barracuda swimming beside, you know, giant grouper swimming. Stingrays, sea turtles that got hit by a prop. I mean, you just see one thing after another. Did I have any idea what I was going to see while I was doing it? No, but I had great expectation, and my eyes were wide open to the glory of God. See, what we do is, is we, when we don't have expectation and we've got everything compartmentalized and we believe and have the image of God of only those things we experienced, we can't discover the newness that God wants to reveal to us in the Spirit, including about His Word. And so if you're not open to spiritual things and moving in the Spirit, you don't fight against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities where? In heavenly places. There's this invisible realm that's real, and you've got to be sensitive to it. If not, you're going to get swacked. And you're not going to be able to prophesy the word of God like he says do over your circumstances. And you're just going to come to church and think that's supposed to be enough when it's all about being in relationship with the Spirit of God, doing the word of God. You've got to discover things in the Spirit. Um, when I first got saved, I got swacked by the Spirit. And it changed everything. Paul got smoked by the Spirit. It changed everything. Elijah, my favorite story in Scripture. Listen, I, I just want you to get a hold of this. This is so important. You know, we wonder about about different situations, but this one to me is the biggest thing in Scripture. This is one of the biggest things in Scripture. Elijah's standing there, and there, there's, there's this, they're surrounded by the enemy, the, the Israel surrounded and about to get destroyed. And Elijah's praying and talking to the Lord, and his assistant comes up and he goes, We're done, we're doomed. It's over. Forget it. Hopeless situation. Doesn't look like anything can happen. And Elijah's simple prayer was, Lord, let him see what I see. Let him see what I see. And then in the heavenly realm, in the invisible realm, were the armies of the Lord that were camped about the enemy. Now here's the deal. And I've, you've heard me preach on this, but I want you to get a hold of it because this is a season of discovery that we're going into. 
that you're going into. You need to re-up into a season of discovery. But, but, but he, he says, let him see what I see. In other words, it was there the whole time. It was, it was available the whole time. It, it wasn't like it showed up when he said show up. It was there. And he said, let him see what I see. And his eyes were open. And he saw into the invisible realm. How did he do that? Well, the Spirit of the Lord was upon him. How did David slay Goliath? You think he, he, he was just really good at picking stones? How did he slay Goliath? The Spirit of the Lord was upon him. He was called. You're called. What you've got to do is you've got to, see, what we do is we just think, you know, the Lord's on somebody else's side, and that might be true for somebody else, but we just have a hard time understanding that God wants to bring you life. He wants to bring every situation in your life into a situation of righteousness. His promise is Ezekiel 37 to you about your situation. Now, how long is it going to take? Well, it took him a little while, even with Israel. But, they, but Elijah never changed his posture. It was so prophetic, so right on. Is that our posture is a posture of expectation, is a trust in God. Do you know how God can bring life to whatever it is in your life you need life to? You can, you can with confidence, answer, no. But you know God. And I know this is your character and this is your nature. That's all God's doing to the church. He's showing his character and nature. And he's saying, if you will position yourself in this way, if you will grab a hold of my word and pay attention to my spirit, I'm going to give you a way out because the steps of a righteous man or woman are ordered by the Lord. I'm going to show you. I'm going to give you vision. He says in the Old Testament, without prophetic vision, my people perish. And, and it takes a response from you. In other words, you can't just sit back and say, I don't know how you're going to do this, God. I'm just going to sit back and watch you do it. Uh-uh. He said, prophesy breath. Prophesy life. Take the word of God. Speak it over your situation. Declare it. Believe it. Align yourself with the Spirit of God and with the Word of God. And watch God bring righteousness to it. And you've got to say, this is for me. This is mine. I'm His. He can't help but be this to me because the self-existing one's character requires it. He just does it. He doesn't choose it. It's who he is. And it's available. It's there. Lord, I pray that this congregation of believers see what I see. May you see what I see. There's victory in Jesus. Our Savior forever.
Amen? So I think we just need to say real quickly, I believe God wants to bring righteousness to every situation that I'm attached to. Let's stand for closing prayer.